Golf Nerds, here we are again. It's swing thoughts. It's funny, we do this show and we really never talk about what are our actual swing thoughts. That'll be an interesting way to start. I'm Golf Spiritual Leader. That's right. Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Yeah, that guy. Tim O'Connor is uh, also a uh, spiritual companion on this road uh, to chaos that we call golf. O'ConnorGolf.ca. I don't know why you're not subscribing to his uh, newsletter. What, do you don't like to hear about cool golf stuff? Well, go ahead and do it. Don't make me tell you again. <laughs> no, seriously. If you're listening to this show and you're not subscribing to O'ConnorGolf.ca's, uh, is it weekly you put that thing out? Close to weekly. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of those things that comes out every so often, but whenever it comes out, if you subscribe to it, you nerds, it'll uh, come to your your inbox, and you can hear all kind of cool stuff that Tim's uh, ruminating on. This show is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf, even though the uh, official podcast season uh, for us is over. We'd like to acknowledge TaylorMade Golf and all the uh, wonderful things that come our way because of that. And, of course, Jonathan Wong, J.W. Wong, JWApparelInc.com. And uh, Tim's still wearing some stuff. I'm ba- I'm, I'm, I've transitioned back to, uh, you know, cool radio personality shit. <laughs> See, I'm wearing... Was that, was that a shirt you were given a promo for a movie? Yes, Exactly. It's, and I love it because it says Fury on it, which is, you know, should, should, that's like that, if I was still uh, driving, uh, you know, uh, big rigs back in the 70s, that would be my handle. I'd be I'd be Fury. Yeah. Oh, but is that also foreshadowing what we're going to talk about on our show? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this. I wrote this down. OK, so coming up on the show. Uh, Tim's going to talk some university golf. We'll we'll uh, we'll put a little uh, pin in the uh, 2020 Ryder Cup, which was what they played last weekend, not the 2021, which I thought was yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah, uh, we'll do a little bit about that. Um, I uh, will tell you about uh, golf spiritual leader lost his mind recently. Uh, here's what happened to me since we last recorded. I threw a club and lost it. I shot 68. <laughs> no, no, I should be. That sentence should be. I lost it. Then I threw a club and that and I lost it. The club. <laughs> I'll tell you that story today. I shot 68. I shot 88. And I uh, will uh, summarize. I, I put together a little uh, thing here summarizing my tournament season and a little bit about uh, golf anyway tim timberly it's good yes. to be with you sir and you sir it's been a couple weeks yeah and you've been busy with university golf it's been uh, excruciating because you have so many talented players and not everyone can play that's right that's right yeah the excruciating part was we have so ontario is divided into east and west and we have to get ready for our our west regional qualifier which you know if you if you finish in the top four teams you advance to the championship but i've got 10 guys on my team and only five you can only take five so wow it was like excruciating uh trying to whittle down to the final five because you know a couple guys were pretty well shoe-ins but then we had like three players that you know kind of had to battle their way in 
so you um you know you excite a couple of guys but you like really disappoint some others too what's the mechanism so, to do you just have a, a one day qualifier with your team while playing or well you know that's interesting that i know some schools do that they they just they just they go you know they tee it up and whoever finishes in that say that top 5 you play in the tournament we don't do that as a practice on the University of Guelph team. Um, we look at more the the, the big picture, um, how they've been doing over the course of the season. And there's all kinds of different things that, that go into it as well. You know, keeping in mind as well, someone's in fourth year, someone's in third year. All, all those, there's all kinds of things that go into it. And um, so, no, it's not as cut and dried as send them some out for a qualifier in the top five go. So if you're the person that is picked, let's say you have five people, what do you tell the person who you think would be, say, in sixth place? Like, they missed it because, you know, you're a first year, you've got other years, you know what I mean? Like, you, how do you explain that? Um, it is things like that, but it's also you're looking over the course of of the season. You know, we've had our invitational season. It was only four events. And, you know, how did they show up? What was their pattern? You know, what were their scores like? Um, and so you're trying to take a, you're, you're trying to bridge, um, make a balance, if you will. Make a balance, right? Talk much. Yes, make a balance. <laughs> trying to make balance, Howard. Yes, and don't exactly. forget to subscribe to the O'Connor Golf's uh, newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> the master of the language. That's right. <laughs> T- this week, make balance, says Tim. <laughs> Tim say balance make. Um, okay, continuing. Sort of like okay, yes, continuing. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a difficult decision because it's not based on on just on just the numbers, right? So it's it's got to be difficult and it's tough, you know. Just like in the Ryder Cup, telling those guys uh, that didn't get on the team that they didn't. Yep is uh, one of the difficult tasks of being a leader. And, of course, that's what you are, a leader of young people in the world of golf. Uh, so why don't we segue into the Ryder Cup? You had some thoughts about, as most people did, about not not the competition. We can talk a little bit about that. But what about the post-mortem, the Rory McIlroy interview that everyone was talking about, his passion for the game and just how the Ryder Cup affects him and other Europeans? Yeah, well, first off, I'll say I didn't see one shot of the Ryder Cup. Zero. Uh, mainly because of university golf. Uh, you know, we had tournaments to play things. The only thing I saw was just after Jordan Spieth had made that shot that caused him to lose his balance, almost yeah. fall in the lake. That's, that's the only. That's the only thing I saw. And, of course, that's the only thing anyone ever talked about. Yeah, you know, I didn't see any of it either. I was playing in St. Thomas, and I was there with Rachel, so we were kind of The like, late bird. The late bird. And um, so what I did do, do, is I had taped the Sunday singles, and then I watched it. Cool. Sort of over the course of uh, Monday evening and parts of Tuesday, I, I just kind of wanted. I mean, I knew what the result was obviously, but I, mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to catch the vibe. I yeah. hadn't seen any of the golf from. Wanted to see what the golf course played like, and of course, watching those people, you know, play a game that is different than the one, you know, obviously the rest of us play. But I did, of course, watch. You know, there's a lot of emotion. You know, the fact that 
Rory won his singles match. The fact Poulter won his singles match, mm-hmm. I thought was great. And, and it does go to a lot of what uh, GSL believes in, which is, you know, you got to keep trying even though, you know, the game is lost. I said this in the middle of Sunday's round at the uh, Late Bird when it was uh, really tough. And I remember saying to one of the kids I was playing with, a former university player from uh, the... It's a, it's a university I'd never heard of, but it was like the uh, one of those ones in the states where it's a Commonwealth of Virginia kind of, you know, it was like his golf bag had the logo on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, "What is that?" He so that's the common Virginia Commonwealth, whatever. But I said to him, "There's nothing harder in golf than trying when all when it's all." when it's not going your way or all is lost. Right. You know, and it definitely wasn't going anyone's way in my group on uh, Sunday. Anyway, so what, what were your thoughts about uh, McElroy? Well, just first off, I, you know, that clip that went out about him, that that is why Rory McElroy is the best interview in golf and, and certainly one of the best in all of sports. I love just how authentic he is. I mean, he's just, that's, that's Rory McIlroy. There's no playing to the cameras. Uh, there's no, you know, created drama, no holding back, if you will. Uh, it's just who he is. And I just love what he was talking about is how uh, connected he was to his team and, how that was the most important thing to him. And obviously that really re- connects with me, you know, as being the coach of a golf team and, and being on, on a golf team is it's unique because it's an individual sport as we know, but every once in a while you get put in a team situation. And um, so I had a very interesting discussion with one of my players. His name is Pierce Sally. Pierce played on the Western team for a number of years And we were talking about this incident, about the European Ryder Cup and the experience of the Western men's team in the 2019 National Championship. And so at the end of of the the uh, I think it was I think it was four rounds, UBC and Western were tied. So the five pairs go out to play again in a playoff. And one of the, it's a bit of a story here, but, but, uh, one of the players for Western hits, hits the green, uh, the final green in, uh, and has got about a 15, 18 footer for birdie. He puts it up there to within, say, 15 inches or so. And he just kind of walks up there and I'm going, Oh my God, that's pretty casual. I remember the story. Yeah. And he missed his 15 inch putt in a national championship with his team and i just that kid looked like just oh, devastated he went off to his car he's got his hands head in his hands and he just i said to one of the western coaches someone needs to go spend some time with that kid yeah anyways i was talking about this with pierce in context of rory mcelroy in the european Ryder cup team and pierce was saying that that night, the Western team went, and they went out and had dinner, and they had drinks, and there was just a sense of bonding and connection and love for each other that was just amazing. It ended up being an amazing experience for the Western team. Right. They lost. This one kid had just, you know, felt like he had just let his team down in a 
horrible way, the worst way you could imagine. And yet they found like a blessing in it that brought them closer together. And the, the, the piece that this guy Kyle Porter wrote for CBS was just wonderful about Rory McElroy, the team that got devastated. And there was just a line that just, um, just jumped out at me from this piece. It's called, and it's, it's not called. He wrote, failing together can be far more meaningful than succeeding alone. I thought, wow, did that ever nail team golf and how, again, in this game, which is largely individual, you know, we can win a tournament, um, shoot a career best. And I always think that there's, you know, it's like when you shot your 66 this year, you shot, you know, some great scores. It's I'm like, going to get, I, we're going to get to the stats. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I joke, a joke before that. So you shot these, these scores and when you drove home, it was like not all the cars in the far one part. No, exactly. And when you turned on the 427, it wasn't lined with gold. Your life yeah. went on. And, 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 and Rachel's reaction was, Oh, that's, that's nice, sweetie. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's like, so, so really just to kind of bring this big, long rambling tale to a merciful conclusion. Um, so Europe lost the Ryder Cup, but in terms of the relationships that are forged between those guys on that team and their experience, they got a ton out of it. And I think that that's what team golf, um, does for us. And I think you can just even look at it in a wider way in terms of why relationships in all ways are just so, so important. And we get lost by... By so focusing on, did I get the promotion? Did I, you know, get the house on the hill? Whatever. So, anyways, uh, I I, um, I agree. Sermon I, I, done. Off the soapbox. Done. <laughs> well, first of all, you don't. We're gonna have to have a chat after. You don't have to qualify. You can talk. You could, you could have talked for the next forty-five minutes. You're, just, you're fine. <laughs> uh, I read the Kyle Porter piece. He's. Uh, if people don't know him, he writes for uh, CBS Online as well. He wrote a really. He wrote several pieces after the Ryder Cup. That one stood out. If you hadn't mm-hmm. seen the uh, Rory McIlroy interview, here's a little bit of it. With Rory McIlroy, first point of the day on the board for the European team. Rory, oh, I should I'm also sure say that literally as Jimmy uh, Roberts turns to Rory McIlroy, you can see he's he's been crying already, not Jimmy Roberts. Although I'm sure he got emotional. But uh, Rory's eyes are already red. They have mixed emotions for you. Uh, can you put into words your feelings about this week? Yeah, um, incredibly proud to be a part of this team, to be a teammate of all all these guys, the captain, the vice captains. Um, we've had a great time. You know, it's, it looks like it's not going to pan out the way we want on the golf course. Um, you know, I've been extremely disappointed that I haven't contributed more for the team. I'm glad I got a point on the board today for them, but um, it's you know it's been a tough week. And the more and more I play in this event, I realize that it's the best event in golf, bar none. And I love being a part of it. I can't wait to be a part of many more. Yeah, it's the now. Keep in mind, I don't I don't know the number, but I I believe he's won. A bunch of majors. Think about what he said. It's the best again. Yeah, it's the best event. Now, he hasn't won in a while, but it's the best event in golf, bar none. Mm-hmm. And he's won the British Open or the Open Championship. He's won the PGA. He's and not, the US Open. And the, and the US Open. He's not won the Masters. 
Um, and I think he's won the Players' Championship. He, yes, he did. Like, yep. none of those to Rory McIlroy are as important as this. And, uh, and I thought what you said was, uh, was beautiful. And you might want to just go home, I mean, after, go uh, listen to it after, and then just take it and put it out in your newsletter or whatever you call that. My bloggy blog. Your bloggy. No, it was great. Um, I think the reason the U.S. I don't even know what the word is. She lacked them mm-hmm. to a, a couple of points. But one of the reasons is the U.S. team this year looked more and felt more and acted more like a European team mm-hmm. than they normally do. And you think about we're, we're in a real transition. We are like I care. The Americans are in a real transition golf wise. All the old guys are gone now. It's official. No more Mickelson. Tiger's done. Those are now like the vice captains and soon to be captains. All that. The oldest guy on the U.S. team was 37 this time. I, I, I think if you go back and look at what they did in Paris, there were a bunch of guys in their 40s. And again, no offense to Tiger and Phil, but past their prime. Mm-hmm. The other thing about this team, Kepka, Spieth, Thomas, Shoffley, Scheffler... Morikawa, those guys have all been on in each other's lives in some manner and fashion since they were in peewee hockey age. Exactly. They a uh, bunch of those guys I just mentioned all played in the Junior Ryder Cup. Spieth and Justin Thomas have been friends. You know that famous picture of them eating a hot dog. You know. So in a way, what they've morphed into is a European feel because. They, they are friends. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the last 10 years, uh, again, to your very well put point and, and echoing Kyle Porter, they've come to understand that this team event is really something special. And they, uh, you know, because I, I don't know if somebody said, well, you know, on paper, they were so much better. I said, well, on paper, <clears throat> excuse me, they've been so much better for years. Absolutely. Yep. It's 100%. three decades of being statistically always outranking the Europeans, you know, with that official world golf average, which this time I think was, uh, you know, again, preposterous how much better on paper the Americans were. But what you saw manifested was the Americans being better teammates. Yeah, I wonder if you could make an analogy to Canadian hockey. Um, so, you know, way, way back in, uh, you know, the 72 series when Canada against Russia, yeah. um, you know, everyone said, well, Canada's going to win because they have more heart, all that kind of good stuff, you know, the passion they've got and, and the skill. Whereas the Russian team was way more of a team. And it took a while for Canadian hockey to adapt to, to systems of development uh, for the players, um, and even just the whole thing of uh, of cycling the puck yeah, you know, was yeah. that you 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 took the puck down, you made a rush, you made a couple of nice passes, got a shot on net, but it wasn't a po- so we learned from the Russians that it's a possession game. Yeah, and it took us a while, but now you watch every NHL team; it's about possession, cycling that puck. Yeah. So it takes a while to learn. So maybe it's just it, it's just a point that the Americans are finally learning this team. You thing. know, I, I think that's a very good analogy because when the team came together in '72, they were the best players that we knew. Mm-hmm. Who played hockey. 
And it, and it was because because I was I was twelve. I was still in my you know playing a lot of hockey, and I I remember distinctly going to uh, practice that that next year, and all of a sudden there were pylons on the ice, and we were learning some skills that uh, the Russians basically brought to Canadian hockey. And I think you're right; it's analogous too. But is it, isn't it interesting that it's analogous that the Americans have become better teammates? And so they were better on the golf course because they've always been better golfers. Totally. You know, if you look at some of the and, and, and I also, by the way, I thought Patrick Padraig Harrington had won the Ryder Cup in terms of the the team building stuff that they were doing earlier in the week, coming out in the cheese heads and engaging, yeah, the, yeah. engaging the crowd and. And their their uh, jackets looked better at the opening ceremonies, and you know I, I, I was all ready for them to get uh, to to beat the Americans. But then the Americans came out as golfers, but they played like university kids. And I think, as I said, one of the reasons is they've all been friends. Even Kepka, who I didn't realize had played, you know, in a Junior Ryder Cup, etc. They've all been around each other as you know, combatants and now friends for a long time. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that I heard some of the old guard, guys like uh, Paul Azinger, uh, even Faldo, they've sort of denigrated that buddy-buddy thing that they've seen with the younger players. You know, they go out, you know, I think you did videos of Spieth and... Fowler and all those guys, you know, playing, you know, barefoot and with no shirts on and, and just the way they hang around each other. And, and they were saying, well, it needs to be more, there needs to be so more blood, you know, more draconian. And I think maybe what we're seeing is that this coming together and supporting each other has morphed into a better team for the Americans. Yeah. And, and again, uh, isn't it interesting that, you know, your point about, Back to, you know, why some people made the traveling squad or the Guelph Griffins doesn't have it's not necessarily because my question was wanting to just get 10 guys tee it up five lowest go because there's more to it than that. Well, that's my belief system. Absolutely. It's more, you know, if you really get down to it, it will be great if our guys win the qualifier or, you know, qualify and go to the Ontario Championship. And it would be wonderful if they win fantastic at the end of the day though the job i believe of of a university coach or a coach of any for for young people and this is going to sound so idealistic but are they better people when they leave your team are they developing skills are they developing say modes of awareness that when they go in into that you know more adult world that they can take that stuff into their business, into their family, into their communities. Yeah, it's high minded, but that's to me more important than winning a championship. But I tell you, if we're if we're close to winning anything, I'll be as excited as anybody else. Sure, you know I, I know you haven't seen it. I, I was when we were talking before the show. I said you're like Guelph's Ted Lasso. But I mean, and and and, <laughs> and that and 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 when you watch, when you finally get somebody to pirate you the series um <laughs> when i get one of my kids one of your kids figure out how to get it off pirate bay or whatever um <laughs> you know what that's really his point i mean ted lasso the first season everyone says is way better than the second season but i like both seasons but what he's so good at 
is he understands what you just said that it, it's important. I mean, he's 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 a coach of a professional football team, soccer, but but he believes that the team will win. The team wins if the if they are a better team. Doesn't mean if because you know in in one episode you know they they get beat pretty bad on the field, but he's more worried about how they are, you know, as people. It's not about because to and it's a really odd thing for a professional coach to say that. I mean, it's one thing to t- coach a, at the level of university and you're talking to children and and you're trying to send them out as better people. But Ted Lasso's whole thing is even at the professional level, there's more to it. And that's what we love about this game of golf. There's so much more to it than the score you shoot. 100%. Yep. And, you know, it took me a long time to get there. And I don't always get there every time. But, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, was a good example and a good counselor for the two groups of young people I played with this past weekend because you know playing that golf course in St. Thomas at 7,000 yards was quite the ordeal for the old fella Mm -hmm. but but I I think you know I tried to be of good cheer it's it's funny I'm I am now convinced that under the most uh, pressure that I ever feel in golf is when I actually uh, am the most um Sanguine. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm the most calm. Equanimity. Have equanimity. Because I'm going to tell you that. Equanimous? Maybe. (laughs) Because when I threw my club, it was in a a meaningless Saturday game at my course. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. But, um, you know, uh, can I segue now to this golfy thing? You you are segueing, and and I'm. So I'm playing. Allowing the segue. So the the Saturday at, at St. Thomas, it's a beautiful golf course. Tim and I both played it last year. It was six degrees when we played it. It was a, it was a shit show. But this year it was wet and rained for probably most of the back nine off and on. So it wasn't an easy day. Which but day did it rain? Saturday. Okay. So it rains off and on. The golf course is soft. On Saturday, I made nothing worse than a bogey. I made no birdies. I didn't three putt. And even though it was 7,000 yards... Wow. Didn't three-putt at St. Oh, yeah. Thomas. Wait, That's saying something. Wait for it. I made up. <laughs> trust me. I made up for it. But, I, um, <laughs> but you know, they're, and, and they're playing it right from the back. Like, me and Charles Fitzsimmons, who's, you know, we know all know Charlie, um, we're talking before the tournament, and I said, I'm a little nervous, but I called the pro to see if I could get out of the championship flight, which is just based on handicap, not age. And he said, oh, don't worry, Howard. We're not going to play it from the tips. <laughs> We're going to play it at about 6,700 yards. Well, that was bullshit, as I said to Chuck, because I called him after the Saturday round. I said, well, so much for 6,700 yards, and we laughed. Every hole except for 15 that day, which is 535 from the tips. It's 585, but they made up for it. By having the pin at the back. So anyway, so oh, on God. Saturday's round, no three putts, no double bogeys, no penalty shots. I just bogeyed the place to death. I shot 40 on the front, 41 on the back, and shot 81 and felt pretty good. The uh, stroke average that day, as uh, Fitz and I were talking about, was probably closer to 78. You know, the, the I know oh, the stroke average, there was guys way in the 90s. So in that, you know, I felt pretty good. I, I mean, I, I hit it decent. And uh, I got it around. 
The and next, yeah, for but, but I can't let that go. You're 61 year old guy, and you're playing against kids for gosh sake. Uh, oldest, you know, yeah, oldest guy in the championship flight by 20 years easily. Uh, yeah, actually, that's not yeah. true. You know, there's another. There was no, maybe 15. Doesn't matter. But I was old. Sunday, mm-hmm. I come out, and it's now all dried out. They are. It's about it, so. It was a nice day Sunday, except for the fact mm-hmm. that it was windy. Yeah. And here's what the wind does there. It, you know, you've, you've played it, and it's a difficult course anyway. So now it's gusting 45, 50. Oh, wow. And I, uh, I hit three of, the first green, three of the first four greens in regulation, and I was four over. I three-putted uh, three of them, and, and not like from 50, 60 feet. I don't know if you – I don't want to – no one hate, – everyone hates hearing about someone's golf round. But I'll just tell you, the third hole of St. Thomas, one of the difficult holes in the course – I had a drive on the fairway, pretty good, and I have like a six iron to the green, and I made the mistake of hitting the green above the cup. And I had about a 20-footer above the cup. The next putt I had was 45 feet up the hill. Yep. Kiss of death at St. So Thomas. So I did that, and uh, it started to get away from me a little bit. In the end, I had 41 putts. I had four double bogeys, a triple bogey, by the way, my very first one of the year. My only triple bogey of twenty hundred and twenty one came on the on the uh, it came on the fifteenth hole. Now they're playing because now they're like, okay, we're gonna play the whole golf course. Five hundred and eighty five yards into the wind, and I I I A true four shotter, <laughs> buddy. I'm telling you, I've been driving the ball so good, but on that hole. The, the whole previous, the, the par five, I just piped my drive. I had a really good drive. Feeling good. You know, I'm like trying my best. I know I'm a million over, but I don't care. So I, I smother hooked my drive on that hole. And it, it sort of hit some wet ground to the left of there. And then it spit it out, which was great. It was a good break. And then I, get, I go down and I see the ball is three quarters covered in mud. So that was a, a bit of a challenge. Anyway, oh, you're playing it, it down. Oh, there's yeah. No lift there's no lift on it. Yeah. So it's wow. all covered in mud. Anyway, my point is, at the end, and I was playing with two other guys, and they weren't having a great day either. One guy shot, I think, in the mid-70s. The other guy was, like, around me until I finished triple bogey, double bogey. So we were sort of going to shoot around 81, 82, 83, and then... I, I surged ahead with those late, <laughs> with a late few uh, strokes of a part. My point is, I said to the kids, I said, you know, you know, there really isn't anything more difficult to do in tournament golf than to keep trying, even when there's no reason to. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned this over my time that it's just if it doesn't, if it's not habitual, then you will give up. Uh, to your point earlier this year, the DNF guy. Believe me, after I triple bogeyed 15 and knew I was going to be turning in a higher score than, you know, maybe represents who I am as a person, you know, it would be uh, it would be easy to walk off the golf course or to yeah. give up. Mm-hmm. But I, I, my favorite part and I'm finishing now is my favorite part of the day was I parred 17 and 18 to shoot 88. Nice. To shoot nice. 88. And it had no significance to anyone else but me. Of course. And, and parring, eight, uh, by the way, part 18, both days. Both days I hit driver four iron on that effing hole. And these kids are all hitting driver gap wedge and bullshit. But, uh, <laughs> but I just felt proud of myself when I, when I saw Rachel. She's like, hi. I'm like, hi. How was your day? Great. 
Because Rachel doesn't have any real understanding of the difference between 68 and 88. She knows that 68 is lower, but she doesn't realize what those mean, right? The psychological ramifications. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, but that, that's my story about that. That, that, you know, that continuing to persevere mm-hmm. is part of the trick of it all. To, to, oh. And we all know we've given up in certain rounds of golf to a greater or lesser degree. Resilience, young man. Resilience. Yeah, that's been a topic uh, of late with with the golf team and and other players. Is is stuff happens, but you just keep showing up. They keep showing up, you know. But because that's the thing, particularly with team golf. A good example is I feel like I'm straying off your topic a bit. Not but, at all. I can't. Um, you know, here's the funny thing. I can't remember what we segued. What was the point of that segue into St. Thomas? Oh, I think we were making our way to club throwing. Oh, we'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I love, a, here's the point I, to make to, I like the university stuff. Well, the resilience part of it is, yes. so we're playing at the Brock Tournament Sawmill Golf Course near St. Catharines, and it's the, it's the first event for one of our players. He's a first-year player, and I start him because I want to give them all an opportunity to compete on the, what we call the, there's an A team and a B team. So we sent out the, the A's and this guy comes back with an 87, probably the worst round he's shot in like three years, but it's his very first university tournament. Now here's the thing in university golf with men, you send five guys out, but only four scores count. Yeah. If you get a tie with another team, then you compare the fifth. Yeah, all of a sudden, fifth. the fifth one counts. Exactly. Well, on the Laurentian team, their fifth guy shot 91. Our guy shot 87. Thus, instead of finishing third, we finished second. So the point I made to the team was, is that our fifth guy, he kept trying yep. all the way he didn't tank it he didn't lose his focus he kept trying his best although it was a struggle and i said and that's the best you so in team golf you have to keep going because you're playing for your team and i think there's a great lesson there about playing as an individual I, I, absolutely no matter, no matter what happens you just keep going and you keep going and you know even though as you said you know, you made triple. You made you made a triple, and I think a double. And then yeah, you parred I tripled, in. Yeah, I tripled fifteen, doubled sixteen, and yeah. then parred in. And, and and it didn't mean a damn thing to anybody else, but and, to and you, yeah, absolutely it meant huge. A ton. No, yeah. I was gonna, and I want to piggyback on that. That eighty-seven, that kid shot. You know, I've said it a billion times. It's better than eighty-eight. Yeah, and if you don't see golf like that. Again, not so much the score because, you know, the score can can be a lot of things. It can mm-hmm. it can be predicated on a lot of outside agencies. Like I can't tell everyone. I mean, I, I'm glad I have this forum to talk to you and, and maybe the few people that listen. But not everyone will. Someone might you know at my club might go, "Oh, how did you shoot 88?" Well, listen to the podcast. You know. <laughs> It, but but I felt good about it. I I, uh, I I texted you later about you know having I felt I was so tired 
Rachel drove home and I was like nodding off like a child instantly. As soon as the car started going, I was like, I was, so you started to get cratered. <laughs> <laughs> I did because I was exhausted, man. I tried. Totally. I tried so hard on every shot that day. And, it, and it's not like I was hitting it poorly. I wasn't. I wasn't like in the trees and the water. I just was, you know, 41 putts is a lot of putts in a round of golf. We've all done it. I haven't done it in a while. I three putted. By the time the day was over, I three putted seven times, including three putting for par. Yeah, but people also have to understand that St. Thomas is unlike almost any golf course they've ever played. Yeah, it's not a normal course. No, it's not. It's those very greens, difficult. Those greens are... The only thing I... Uh, I remember someone saying at Augusta National, it's like trying to putt on the hood of a car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's well, so fast and the slopes are... So to, to, to tell you how well I was hitting it, you know, I get to the... I mean, I've, I've hit three of the first greens and three of the first green, three of the first four greens in regulation. I hit the fifth green in two on a par five and three putted wow. it. From the golds, man. Well yeah. done. Well, no, I, I'm telling you, I hit it very well. I hit it good enough that day that on a normal golf course, I would have been around what I normally shoot. Somewhere around par, a couple three over. And, and I'm not whining about oh it was so different but, but it, it's hard to put in it's hard to put into perspective what a course like that is like when it starts to get fast charles mm-hmm. shot well i'll give you an example charlie fitz shot 79 that day the guy is One the canadian's best amateurs the canadian yeah. mid-am champ shot 79 yeah like it was bananas um <laughs> and so but i felt i, I guess the takeaway is you know, it, I, I'll say it again, what I said to those kids. There's nothing harder in golf, I think, than to keep trying when there's no real reason for you to, other than trying has its own rewards. And for me, like, I did feel good. I know it sounds crazy, but I was as proud of that round as I was of shooting 68 the previous Monday. Because it's golf is easy when it's easy, man. It's nothing. It's so it's a joke when it's easy. It's just oh, when absolutely. it's not. It's when it's not easy is when you find out how much do you really like this, right? You know. And I think again, I, we said it a million times on this show. It's through those hard experiences that you learn the most. Yeah, you, you have a great round, and you you know you, you shoot a great score. Well, sometimes it's from you got some good breaks, just, yeah, the swing was just in the slot that day, whatever. Things just happened well. And, but I really think that the, there's greater learning when you, when you have hard experiences. And I think that you can, you know, um, you know, the, the metaphor, golf metaphor for life thing. You can take those lessons of resilience into other parts of your life. So you're you're you know you're you're having a, a situation with a couple of people, and it would be so easy because you feel grumpy and the person's pissing you off to just hammer them with some sarcastic remark, you know, and and, and just like so a power move. Well, that would be a dick move to do that. So so the awareness is that okay, I could do that. I could give up on being a nice person. I could give up on this this round of golf. Well, no, we just try and still say our best self. And I can't wait for your rejoinder on that one. Oh, is that a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> First of all, I don't, even, I don't think I've heard anyone say rejoinder since an episode of Gunsmoke back in 1975. <laughs> When they celebrated 20 years. Uh, no, you're absolutely and the right. writer person. Every once in a while, these, no, these words just float up and... Okay. No, you're right. Um, you know, that, that whole idea about, you know, like... When you're in traffic, it's easy to lose your shit and start, you know, yelling at everybody. I know I did. But, uh, you know, that there is a, there are lots of lessons in the resilience of golf and the... Um, you know, continuing to, you know, just to keep... Because tra- I'll tell you what, nothing's easier than giving up. And well, sure. It takes effort to stay, to, to remain your best self. Well, it I takes think, effort and energy. Absolutely. And, and you know, and to that point, you know, I, I've played a lot of tournaments recently, including yesterday was my last tournament of the year. But I've played three events in three weeks. So I had the Senior Am, then I had the, sen- the Early Bird, then I had the Senior Better Ball yesterday. And... and in all of those circumstances, there's volunteers, rules people, there's, there's f- people watching sometimes, certainly people around both 18 and 9 greens. And it's easy when you're having a good hole to say mm-hmm. to the volunteer, hey, th-, and I do this, I, always, I, do, I literally do it to every person I see. Thanks, at St. Thomas, thanks for letting us on your course, appreciate your help today. Or to the GAO volunteers, thanks for being here. Appreciate what you do. Well, it's easy when you're cruising, but when mm-hmm. you're 16 over, what do you do then? And I literally, after making triple bogey, drove by a volunteer and said, hey, thanks very much uh, for ha- letting us you know, have your course for the weekend. He says, how are you enjoying it so far? I said, well, that last hole can suck it, but I'm fine. <laughs> And he and he laughed. I love that. I love that. And you know what? What a good model you were for those young people yeah. who are learning from you. <laughs> well, you know? yeah. My favorite that moment. Speaks, that stuff speaks volumes. It really does. So uh, I, I know you know the course a little bit. So the uh, so it's twelve. So it's ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen is a two hundred and thirty yard par three, and on the tee oh, box my. is one way. The the eleventh hole it, it shares a tee box. So there's my group, another group, and then there's three groups of kids. They're all in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. And then, um, then me. <laughs> and, I'm on the, and Grampy's on the tee. <laughs> and uh, these kids are all, you know, the guys in my group, they had five iron. You know, it's a little bit downhill. Four iron. Yeah. And I've got Mr. Hybrid out. 230 yards. Head and cover I, comes off. Yeah. I'm the only guy with the head cover off. And, and it, was, it was Saturday, so I was... You know, in a pretty good flow. I'm four over. I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, and I kill my... Th- I don't kill it. I hit a nice hybrid. It doesn't hit the green, but it's just pin high right. And after I hit it, I turn to the kids. I go, what'd you think of Grampy there, boys? You know, kind of like... I, I know I know I'm the only one. Are you guys going to hit your hybrid too? Kind of thing. And they're all laughing. But That's uh, great. I kind of embrace it because... I know they're looking like who the what the fuck is this old guy doing here? Exactly. But uh, as I said, and here's this old guy still teeing it up from the back tees, <sighs> giving it his best, and he's on his way, you know, on Sunday to shooting an eighty. Why would he put himself through it? Because it's an amazing experience. It is. I, I will say this: one old guy to another. I don't know. I don't know in terms of an event. You know, I did nine or ten events this year. I, I might change my mind next year, but I, when I left there, too, I was thinking, you know, 
That's mm. a lot of work, man. I get it. It's totally a get it. lot it's a of way work. to come. It's money. Oh, I, I love the experience. And food. And, but, yeah. you know, and I'm not ashamed of the numbers, 8188, but I, I uh, you know, as an event going forward, you know, I'll see. if you Maybe if you go next year, I'll go. But the, the only problem is there is no, they just flight it by handicap, not by age. That's right. Yeah. Um, so you want to hear about uh, the very first club toss of the year? Yeah. Although, was it a, I need to ask you straight out. There's a big difference between a toss and a throw. Oh, no. This was a full on. This was like, a, if you've ever watched, uh, you know, in those movies like Braveheart when they're getting ready for battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and you they they show those scenes when uh, the army's getting ready for battle, and these guys are throwing stuff like throwing yeah. it like way in the air, and it's like <laughs> it, it goes in slow motion, and it goes woof, woof. Oh yeah, yeah, woof. yeah. Oh yeah, there was a lot of woofs, woof. Um, the helicopter. Oh my lord! It was, uh, and because here's the, let me set up the circumstances. So I played the senior ram. So that week it was Monday practice round, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, intense tournament golf, and blah. I played the wrong ball. We all know what happened. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Friday I took off. I didn't touch a club on Friday, and then Saturday we played our regular Saturday game. It's called Hustlers. That's a you know like a tournament. There's forty or fifty guys. Every score counts. No one gives gimmies. It is, it is whatever. And uh, post scores, post scores. So you got to you know it's like a thing. I don't know what what happened to me, but I was I was playing okay. I think I shot one over on the front. You know, and this was on the fifteenth uh, hole, sixteenth hole, it was fifteenth hole of the round. And um, which nine? Just so I can get a picture of it. It was that it was that that hole where I uh, did the video, the club link video. So it's space. Okay, nine. Yep. so we're on the back nine. I'm I'm one <laughs> the over. Hole takes its revenge. Yeah, I'm one over for the round. So it's not like I'm. It's not like St. Thomas. I'm one over for the round, and a couple of times in the round, I'm getting a foreshadowing here. <laughs> a couple times in the round, I've I've pull hooked sh- um, some short irons, like seven, eight, nine. And it's and it's irking me. It's I, it's something that's been I've been working on for a few weeks now. You want to talk about because we, we were going to talk about our swing thoughts at the end here today. Oh yeah, irking. I like that. So this was irking, irking me. And you know what golf's like. You know, some it's hard not to carry. Like if you've been having a few weeks of bad, whatever, putting, yeah. chipping, driving, three woods. Really, this again? Yeah, still? exactly. Again. So <laughs> a few times in Saint. A few times in, uh, in Kingston during the senior am, I had done the same thing. I had tugged short irons. Mm. So, you know, I hit my drive, hit it fine, hit my second shot, hit it fine. Got a 165-yard uphill seven iron to the green. And I tug it left to the... And, and it's, a, it's a front left pin. And, you know, in, in, in you-know-what world... Uh, short-siding mm-hmm. yourself is, you know, one of the commandments of... You know, idiocy. Anyway, so I short side myself with this club. Now, anyone who knows Glen Karen, that hole is right next to eight scotch block. And what separates the two holes is a forest from Game of Thrones. It's tall trees, but also <laughs> thatchy, underbrush, super oh, yeah. thick. And I am Lord faced- Voldemort, I think, hangs out exa- there. Voldemort, it's Harry Potter. It's the Chamber yeah. of Secrets. It's Game of Thrones. And I'm facing six green. But for some reason, after I pull it, I, I caber toss 
to my left. It's I'm I'm and if you can imagine, I'm sort of in the middle left of the fairway, and I threw this thing forty yards, but completely the opposite direction. Because GSL, you didn't follow the you didn't follow the Tommy Bolt thing about throwing it in front of you. First thing the guys I was playing with said was, "Well, that was dumb," because. All I had to do was throw it in the direction I was going, but for some reason, I was so... I even pull-hooked my club toss. <laughs> I pull-hooked my club toss, and as soon as it heads toward the forest, I'm... First of all, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, we're not going to be... This isn't good. <laughs> my next thought, literally the same time as, well, we're not finding that now. <laughs> you know, that's not like, just walk over and pick it up. That's like... um, <laughs> Well, I'll come back later. So we exactly. and here's the I'll funny come thing: come back at dusk when there's oh, no one yeah. on the golf course. Uh, uh, so here's the weird thing: I lo- I throw it in there, and then I don't even make an attempt, Tim. It's so far in there that there's no. I don't even walk toward the forest. What do the guys say? They're just laughing at me. They just thought it was hilarious. Um, no one asked. Um, are you going to go get that? No, because there was no getting it, and and there was no. Hey, could you guys help me? So, uh, and the weird thing is, I get up to my shot. I hit this bizarre. Crying, Seriously, I am yeah. crying. This I hit this so unbelievable <laughs> pitch Ugh. spinny thing to about six feet. I make the par. <laughs> I got no seven iron, but I made five I make the par, but lose the seven iron. Anyway, I finish up. Check this out. I shoot seventy four. So it's not like I'm having a terrible round. I'm only a couple over, and I have to. Are you got you got coming in for a, a sandwich? Yeah, I'll be back after I get a cart. And drive back there. This is a true story. It took me 25 minutes, Tim. I was in there for almost a half an hour. Several groups are going by. I'm parked on eight scotch trying to... I'm, and I was about to give up because I've got a... I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to call Taylor and Hey, guys, do you mind if I order another salmon hanger? <laughs> anyway, just at the last so second, I've gone in and out of this brush. I'm in there. I'm thinking, they may not find me. Did you suffer lacerations? I did. I was all scraped up. Of course. And finally, there it was on the uh, forest floor. Um, And I I just felt like an a-hole. It it wasn't gleaming like... uh, Like the sword of the stone, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Anyway, I I found it, and uh, it seemed fine. I think it was disappointed in me. I was disappointed in myself. Am I allowed some follow-up questions? Uh, Yeah. All right. So when you went in and you say, no, guys, I have a higher calling. Uh, I'm not going to have a sandwich. <laughs> right. you. I can't hang out after the round. I've got to go find my seminar. <laughs> yeah. So you had to um, ask for a cart. I'm just wondering how that conversation went. Well, I didn't have to ask. I just got on one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just left my clubs there because I was walking. I just got on a cart and drove. There. I always think it's great. I think everyone's had that experience where, oh, I left my my uh, gap wedge beside the you know yeah. sixth green, and you get a cart, and you you go, so you're going against the traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Hey, where where are you going? It's yeah. just like people just aren't used to that. The same way, if you see some jogger on your golf course, what the hell? No, I know. So okay. Anyway, so that was my first and only club toss of the season, and it's weird. I, I recall, you know, I this happened to me. Last year, as the tournament season was winding down, it's almost like all this pent up, not frustration, but I've not allowed myself. No, no, I, I, frustration is a perfect word. 
Because I'm tugging. This thing again? Really? But I mean, like, at the end of last season, I remember when the tournament season was over last year, and I had a nice season. I remember getting mad when it, when, when it nothing mattered. Like, it was weird. I had a similar round on men's night. And I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. I, I, again, you know, this again, I'm in the middle of the ninth fairway, even par for the round. I block it into the burn. I don't get up and down, and I make a double bogey. Okay, no big deal. I've done it before. So I shoot two over on the front. But I, I mean, I'm, up to that point, I'm even par. I'm, I'm kind of thinking... I don't even know what I'm thinking. I'm just playing like I normally play. Then I play the back nine. Two birdies, two bogeys. And now here I am in the middle of the ninth fairway. I've killed my drive. On a par five, I've got 195 to the flag. You know, 178, 80 to the front of the green. And I'm like even par for the back nine. Two over for the round. I don't even know what I was thinking. Like, oh, you know, make birdie and make par. I don't even, I'm not even aware of the score. I just kind of know I'm. You know, I've been playing pretty good. I made a couple of nice putts. I birdied mm-hmm. that hole. The the helicopter seventh, uh, seven iron, birdied that hole. Rarely do that. And then out of nowhere, I block my, my out of nowhere. I just, I can tell, and this is what's going to segue to our final segment, which is my swing thought uh, gift for everyone. But I block mm-hmm. my shot, it's, and it's playing way downwind. So I've only got six iron in my hand. And by the way, wasn't trying to hit the green. Because it was sort of a back middle pin. What I was trying to do was hit it to the front of the green and then see what happens. Because it's one of those ones where I didn't have enough club to carry that line. And then I flush this six iron. I just flush it. But I block it. And it goes in the burn. And I I lose my mind again. But, but very quietly. Like, in my, like I'm not throwing anything. But I am seething. And once again, I don't pay attention to the chip shot. I hit it 18 or eight, whatever, eight feet by, 10 feet by, miss it, make double. So I bookend the ninth, I make double, the 18th, I make double, I shoot 76, and I am, I'm pissed off. And I was driving home thinking, why are you so mad? This round literally means nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about it for the last couple of days. I think what I'm doing is letting out a season's worth <laughs> of. You know, I've been so buttoned down for four keeping months. Keeping the lid on it all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Just I mean, keeping it, and that's what it is. You know, it's uh, and I will tell you, I as get a, it. It's it's for a guy like me. It's work to not be a guy like me. There, that's that's what I want to say. I completely get that. So there you are. You're GSL. You've ascended. You're becoming. You know, more enlightened with every year, every show, but like. Every grasshopper everywhere, we're all grasshoppers, you still got work to do. Yeah, man. You still got work to do that, you know, that something happens, trigger, reaction, you know, it's like it's like the, the Victor Frankel piece that I'm looking at right here. But notice I'm staying with the microphone. I do. I'm Between very, stimulus proud, of, very and response, proud of your, hang on a second. I'm very proud of your mic technique today. Exactly. Thank you. I, I'm hoping... I might be moving from a <laughs> just from a twelve to about a nine. You're getting close to single digits, my friend. <laughs> exactly. So between Victor Frankel, between stimulus and response, there is a space, and in that space is our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom, and that's the challenge. Yeah. Coming right back to that resilience thing, is that something happens, trigger. Do we react as we normally do, or do we go, okay, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. How do I be, you might use the phrase, my best self, or who I really want to be, 
or am I going to go back to all this old shit? And we're always recycling through the old shit. And that's why golf, life, marriage, all this stuff is so difficult because we get so easily triggered and sucked back into our old ways. And when we're tired after a long tournament season and all that, it's very easy for for the for I mean, um, uh, Bradshaw. I forget his, his name, uh, first name. But anyways, in the eighties, I think he had a show on uh, PBS, and he was um, family dynamics psychology prof uh, expert guru. And he just had this great line that you know you're with your kid, you're being really great, and your kid does something, and you go like. <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit and get really angry here and I shouldn't do it, but I'm doing it anyways. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I'm thinking that that's what happened to you with your yeah. the, the throne club. I'm doing it anyways. That's right. Watch me. I, I, I will just tell you, though, popping in, and I love what you said there in response, but, you know, the real drag is the first time I hit it in the burn on nine from the middle of the fairway, I had the choice and... and, and it's funny, a more resilient version of myself, because where, dro- where I got to drop it was an easy up and down. Because mm-hmm. I got it literally a couple yards off the green. It, it, I should have made five there. But because I was still somewhat triggered, not as bad as I was on 18, I didn't quite get it to the sort of three or four foot circle, which would have been very easy where I was. It was, it was such a simple chip. So I make double. Same with the one on 18. You know, okay, so you've hit it in the burn again, but it isn't a terribly... I mean, it's a, a bit harder where I had to drop. It was a more of a 20, 30-yard pitch, but I could have given it a better effort. And what pissed me off on the way home was that. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm so full of shit. I keep telling people, what's the lowest score you can make from this point? But I didn't take my own advice. The funny thing is, had that been a tournament, I would have. Had that, yeah. I, I could, because I have this, I'm going to call it armor. I have this psychological armor that totally. I have developed yep. in tournament play. You know, I went through this yesterday where I played in a partner event. And, uh, you know, you can just see how some people, and I don't want to get into this um, because it's not fair to the person, but you can just see how some people don't like that environment. I used to not like it, but I've learned to love it. And and in the non-environment, which was men's night and hustlers, I allowed myself, like you just said, I'm gonna fucking get, I'm gonna get really angry. But I would never have allowed myself to do that in the tournament. I would have said, okay, you're in the burn. Now can you make bogey here? Because all I had to do. Oh, by the way, so I I pitch up onto the green in four, and I three putted for a double bogey. I, I, like that was the thing like you three putted for a double bogey because what because I didn't pay attention to the two footer I had after I tried to make the par like those mm-hmm. are the things that I, I would say that I know better but I in the moment couldn't do better you know yeah well this is comes back to what we've talked about a lot is what people will go to when things go right they'll, they'll typically, typically go to the mechanics and it has nothing to do with their mechanics it's like how much are you paying attention how focused are you how are, you know how there are you there um example from my own round yesterday i i just stuck out for nine yesterday because i just needed a break and i'm gonna be working with the team all weekend so i went out and i'm playing very nicely 
And well, we got a bit of a delay on the sixth tee at Blue Springs. And as I said earlier in the show, yesterday was the day I had to submit the, the final roster. And I was actually feeling pretty good that I'd, you know, overcome my turbulence around this. And I talked to our men's captain. And I felt pretty good. And then I looked at, uh, um, a, so I had time and I looked at my phone and there was a text from one of the assistant captains. And he was, he was going, oh, damn it. I wish I'd got into this earlier because I would have made a different choice. And oh. it was like, so I read this and, and, and I'm right back in my shit about, oh, was this the right choice? All this, you know, all that. And, you know, just about hook it out of bounds. And I ended up making double. On what hole? Uh, six at Blue Springs. And really, it was just, you know, I, I, I so I, it doesn't go out of bounds. So I chip out on the fairway because I've been schooled by GSL in, yes. in getting back in play. Yes. And I just hit this god awful pitch like into a bunker. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then I end up making double. And anyways, the point is, is folks, is that it had nothing to do with my mechanics. It yeah. had to do that I was not focused. Yes. And, and I was just not there. And that is so much of golf is, is, is how well are you focused at attentive are you there or are you in your head somewhere you know michael larden is a guy who i've referenced a few times it's he, he has a, a book that i read but he's also they use the larden scorecard on in decade i'm not gonna play the sound effect and mm-hmm. uh and 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 Fawcett, who i i just you know it's funny I've, i haven't been i haven't talked to him in a few weeks but i'm gonna send him a note with your um approval because he will do our show now now that I have a bit of a relationship with him. But cool. he will tell you, of all the things, and he's been around the professional game for a long time, of all the things that will impact your score, even the decade strategy, even the idea of you know, trying to conserve strokes, the biggest single factor to conservation of score is, is mental focus and commitment. And uh, in Dr. Michael Larden's, and go look him up, it's a pretty interesting book. I can't remember the name of it now. But one of the things that he says is a PGA Tour player, an elite player, um, will average around 95%. That means 95% of their shots, they're involved, committed. You know, they've, they've, they've done, they're, they're, they will say, I was absolutely present on that. A scratch golfer, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, well, you're around 90%. Uh, as your handicap increases, that part of the game decreases. Mm. On my, on, and so I've been keeping track of my mental scorecard on every shot that I enter in decade. And on my very, very best rounds, I've never gotten to 95, but I've been 92, 93. On my worst rounds, worst scores, I'm in the middle 80s. And it's to your point. You get the text. You lose focus for a second because gosh knows... I've told you this a thousand times. Your mechanics are impeccable. You know, I, I, I would invite everyone. Uh, if uh, one of my favorite Tim uh, O'Connor um, snapshots of your golf swing is down the line. Very few people I play with, and I mean elite players, look better, more, more ready to hit a golf ball at setup than you do. Mm-hmm. So we know that that sixth hole wasn't like, oh, I forgot to go- how to golf now. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how to golf on hole six today. You know? 
Yeah, so, that, 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 wow. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a, a piece I've been talking with clients. So I have uh, um, this one client I've been working with for about, probably about 13 months. And he played in a, uh, a GAO qualifier. And he sent me a text the next day. He says, Tim, we got to talk. Can, you just, can we just get on the phone? And he says, you know what? We've been working together for like over a year now. And I think I just finally got it. <laughs> really? <laughs> and what he got was not the it that he got was that it did, had zero to do with his mechanics. Yeah. Like he's got like every one of us, we've got some funkiness to our swings. Do we, are we like, you know, Tom Pertzer is it dead perfect? No, we've all got, but we have our swing. But when we're, when we're present and we uh, kind of allow it to happen and we're, you know, just, I I love how uh, Ed Collins, our friend says, we're solving the puzzle of the whole challenge in front of us. When we, when we do all of that stuff, then we can play some pretty amazing golf and has zero to do with how well your right elbow falls in front of this and you pronate supinate. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, um, I, 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 you know, in, in two weeks time, we're going to have, I, I'm not sure exactly who's going to be on the show, but we'll, maybe we'll talk about tournament golf. Uh, and the tournament season, but uh, are we going to try and get those neuro peak guys? Yeah, yeah. On? we're going to book that. That's still um, great. That's still on the. I talked to Charlie. I was texting with him this week. He played the Ontario Mid Am, which was won by the uh, freak Dave Bunker this week. Wow. Yeah, he came back and uh, he didn't have well, a good, good for him. No, no, he's you know you know there's a guy. I am so intrigued by that guy. We should get him on this. Uh, we should get him on this show because I was thinking, how can I become buddies with Dave Bunker? I yeah, mean, you interview somebody and it helps. It's like right around a golf. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it absolutely is. And the reason I want to become buddies with him is I want to go play golf with him. I'm going to say this to him if I can get him on the show because I can't imagine he hits it better than I do. And I don't say that braggadociously. No, I, I just agree with you 100. percent He couldn't hit it that much better than me. And I want to know why he's that much better than me. Um, yes, he plays millions more tournaments. He played in the USGA. He, he, but I, I feel like there's things I can learn from him. And I oh, want to, be his, I want to but, be his friend. But you also made a, 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 an amazing point. I love that. Um, it's like in Annie Hall when, when Woody Allen says to Shelley Duvall, she goes, she's the guru. And, and Woody goes, did you touch the hem of his garment? <laughs> That's right. I'm going to be like, but, excuse me, Dave. Um, is there any way that I could um, possibly play some golf with you sometime uh, just to get a... That's my Woody Allen. Thank you. Very, very good. Very good. Um, yeah. So a guy like Dave Bunker, who plays in USJ events, I mean, he's got this amazing experience. Yeah. And, and that's what so many, when you when you... When you play with really good players, you just see that they've just got just boatloads of experience. They've been through all this stuff. And, and he's not perfect, though. T- like at the Canadian no. Seniors the week before, so I, there's been three tournaments in a row. He played the Ontario Seniors, lost to Ashley Chinner, had a bad mm-hmm. third round. Ashley won. four after what, 66? 66, 65. Yeah. Then he mm-hmm. plays the Canadian Seniors, starts in the, you know, and apparently I've talked to a few people who played it. They said the course was ridiculous, but so Bunker doesn't win that. Uh, has like an okay 
his third and fourth round. Then he goes to the Canadian or the Ontario Mid-Am. Now, Bunker's 55 or 56. Uh, has a couple of uh, early rounds. Then he shoots a whatever, he, he, but ends up tying a guy, wins it in a playoff. So there's a guy. That's, that's it. I've been trying to figure out a way to get to know him. There we go. I'm going to try and because I know some people that know him. I'll reach out and see if we can get him on the show. Cool. Yeah, okay. That'd be awesome. And I, I, I think guys like that, our listeners can really relate to. Yeah. But just a quick point. Well, I think so, too, because he plays at a regular course. He's just a regular guy at a golf course. He's not, you know, he's not some legend of the, uh, he's not played, he didn't play in the PGA Tour Champions. No, exactly. But, um, so, so Dave Bunker is about 55, 56, it, it, you said. In that age group, yes. So, but the, the, the mid-amp, isn't that, uh, what's the youngest person in that? I think mid-amp age is now 25, yeah. I mean, okay. he's playing a bunch of kids. Yeah, that's more amazing. Yeah. There you and, go. And I, again, I. Who are like, these kids can no doubt, they can Walmart them. Oh, all day long. Off the uh, tee. It's funny. Yeah. I said that to Charles. We were talking about Bunker, and uh, and it was Charlie. And I was saying, you know, like, like he doesn't, you know, he's a lot like Lars. He's a lot like Larry Cooper. He's a lot like yeah. who's in that category of just guys that sort of are relentlessly average. Not but, all, listen. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm going to tell you right now. I drive the ball as good as anybody that I play with in senior golf and most mid-ams. I'm not talking about length. I just don't make a lot of mistakes off the tee. And I've got mm-hmm. decent length. When I say decent, you know, like, yeah, I'll hit the odd one. I'll stretch it out on a, on a hole. But I'm just sort of pretty consistent. But those guys are like that through the... Through the I, I said to Charles, he, he said, yeah, Bunker just hits a lot of fairways, lots of greens, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He isn't outstanding in any one aspect. He's just very good in all aspects. Where I'm not. You know, I'm decent, but he's a plus four and I'm a zero. And there's a reason. Absolutely. So I wanted to finish up by saying, you know, I started uh, the show by saying, you know, we never talk about our swing thoughts. Um, but as we wrap up today, and uh, thank you for your, uh, your it was beautiful what you were saying there about team golf. I really, really appreciated it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I want to, I want to, this is from those two shots I hit and why I tug that seven iron that went into the forest um, will be my swing thought sort of takeaway. But I'm curious, what is, what is the thing that Tim O'Connor, who is a kindred spirit, what do you, what's your swing thought? What was your swing thought yesterday? Um, is really, it's, it's, as I'm setting up over the ball, how how present can I be? No, really, no, the, the, no. I know you're you're a guru. I'm taught. I know you. Yes, you can be present. What was the? I'm talking about the mechanical because everyone has one or two. Mechanical. Yeah. Uh, the closest I'll get is just feel relaxed. Just feel relaxed. Just feel that all that. There's like zero zero. Stuff, take it back, finish your backswing. Uh, well, you're, I'm, not, you're, you're, I'm not buying you're it. Me, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not buying it. Zero. Yeah, okay. zero. Well, even the great uh, spiritual leader, all, all golfers, and, and, they, and they talk about this in golf psych all the time. You can have one. You know, you, you, a lot of people have 10. They have a backswing thought. They've got a thing. But here's the thing I would, and, and that's fine. What, what Tim said, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yes, be <laughs> present, try and feel the club, all that's fine. But if you're going to have any swing thoughts, mechanical, 
This is what I wanted to get to. If you can't aim. Oh, I get that. Yeah. If you're not, if you are, and I, and I had this experience, I played in a charity scramble, the very first one in two years on Tuesday, I hosted a tournament for the boys and girls club of Canada, BGC. And it was great. And I, I ended up playing the entire day with someone who used to be one of your clients. Who's got a, who's very much like you. Um, great golf swing can hit it so good but just hits it so bad for reasons he can't fathom mm-hmm. and i wa- i played happened to play with him on tuesday in the scramble and on wednesday in men's night and i said to him you know uh, i wish you could aim better because when you do he just f- hits it so good so what i'm going to say is those those two shots i pull hooked and the seven iron that i or that I blocked and the seven iron I pulled have nothing to do with your golf swing or my golf swing. I can tell you mechanics or mechanics. It always comes down to, and I, and I, I am telling you this from personal experience. You are all aimed too far, right? Everyone listen right to this. You're, if you're right-handed, you're aiming too far, right? If you're left-handed, you're aiming too far left. But I guarantee you, if you could spend some time before every round learning what parallel left means, because exactly. everything, every swing I make that turns out to be askew in some manner or fashion is always where I'm aimed, where I'm aimed, where I am aimed, where I'm aimed. Mm-hmm. And that informs everything else that comes after it. Because on the days I feel the most comfortable are the days I'm aimed the best. And the best shots that everyone listening has hit, I promise you, you are aimed better on those shots. And a lot of things contribute, obviously. If there's trees to the right, there's waters to the left, all those things contribute to it. But I would say this, if you can get in the habit of learning where your where proper aim is and how it feels, because I'll tell you, I, I got this guy that we're I'm talking about, I'll tell you who he is after. I got him aimed correctly halfway through Tuesday, and it was something to see, man. It was totally really... It. I completely get it. <laughs> a couple times, he had a couple shots and made me laugh out loud. They were so good. I totally get it. It was interesting. So you started this segment asking about swing thoughts, and which to me was kind of like around mechanics, but what you're talking about really there is it, what I would put in the area of process. And awareness, right? too. Yeah, as you're getting ready to hit your shot, is 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 what's the awareness I have of of my alignment? Yes, and that is it, that's crucial. But that's part of process. So once you're taking, once you've taken care of that, then it's just hit the shot. But the thing, just just to tag on a minute there, I'm forever talking to my clients, my team members. When things start to go askew, check your fundamentals. Yes, which includes alignment posture ball position yep. just you know where's your head and all that kind of stuff because if your alignment's off it just has ramifications for everything because now your now your weight distribution might even be off a little bit your eyes might, are off where you're looking is off exactly the ball might be further back in your stance all of which has again ramifications on your ability to make solid contact so i love what you're saying about just Check those fundamentals. Take care of that. We put that. I'm always talking to our players on the team about what's your commitment today. And it's not about shooting your. And I, it can be, but I don't think it's going to help your game if your commitment is to shooting the lowest score you can. Because if you're five over after three holes, where do you go? Yeah, what's your commitment but, now? 
but what's your commitment to a process, something that you can control all day? Yeah. That's because you can't control score. And so I just say, when things go askew, come back to fundamentals and what can you commit to? And one of those things is <clears throat> alignment, and you know maybe using the intermediate target or whatever. No, no, I love that, and 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 I would tell you that if you want to have some fun before the season's over, swing thoughts, listeners, STDs, go to a range and 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 to your mind, aim so far left, and then see what happens to to your mind. Because I promise you, and I've done as this a right hander, as yeah. a right hander. I've done this with you, my brothers, anyone else, this, this guy that I played with. You know, I, here's the little trick. I say, okay, I, I even took his golf ball and I lined, I, I put the line where I wanted him to put the club. I said, I'm going to put that ball where the middle of the fairway is, not where you think it is. And I said, when you line up for it, I don't want you to look up. I don't want you to look down the fairway because that will fuck you up. Sorry for swearing. 100%. No, I said, just do, just trust that you are lined up correctly and hit it. And I would say to the listeners, try that on your own. You know, f- get that line on the practice ball on your target, and then for, then don't look at your target because it, it will look like you're aimed so far left you won't be able to swing. But on TV this weekend, if they do a down-the-line shot of a professional golfer, watch where their body is aimed. It ain't where your body is aimed. Exactly. All right. Yes, really cool. So I want just two cool things. Like one, one really cool thing that you can do with your alignment sticks is you. I think you set one down parallel left to where your feet are. Have you probably you've probably done this? Yeah, yeah. You set one parallel left to where your feet are, and then another one down the target line, and you'd be amazed at yeah at at what happens. But um, last week I had a round where um, I missed two two putts of about three feet, and the guy I was playing with really good player. He said that I committed to the line of a putt, you know, on a breaking putt. And then he said, I took a last look to the hole yeah. and I putted to the hole, not to my line. Absolutely. And that was that was like, wow, that was a big learning piece for me. And so the rest of the round, that was the, the round I shot the 76 at Blue Springs, best of the year. Um, so the rest of the round, it was just like, I just putted to my line. And what a difference. So it's the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, it, it, well, I, yes, most people do that last look to the hole on a breaking putt. You're like, well, you're not putting to the hole. Uh, I was telling Henrik, my uh, buddy, who I've talked about a million times in the show, I was telling him about those two shots I hit. He said, he, he's so funny. He's, he's got, he's all, he seems to have a, a, a phrase for everything or a saying for everything. He says, oh, well, yeah. the problem with you is you weren't lined up to your shot. You were lined up to the hole. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I wasn't lined up to the shot I wanted to hit to the front of that green. Yep. Something about that target caught my eye, and I and I and I swung to the target, not to my shot. Thanks exactly. to JW Apparel. Thanks to Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleAndFredRadio.com. Thanks to TaylorMade, and thanks to you, STDs. We'll see you in two weeks.